You're listening to Different Things Can Be Sad. Hello and welcome to Different Things Can Be Sad, where it's cool to care about fake news and festivals. I am Yasmin Lomax. And I am Micah Hahn. And we are here with the fourth episode of Different Things Can Be Sad. Appropriately, our July episodes, so there's like the 4th, 4th of July, that mm-hmm. whole connection in there. Did you celebrate 4th of July this year, Micah? I got home on July 2nd, which is, for those not in the know, Canada Day is July 1st. So we, and my best friend got home on July 2nd too. So we had a very Canadian 4th of July where we like played ice hockey and hung out. listened to Justin Bieber. And I wore like my Canadian shirt, which is- Oh, a, I like that one. It, um, yeah, it says, I bleed red, white, and maple leaves. Did you drink from your Canada drink bottle? I didn't. Oh, that's something that happened. I will update you on my Canada drink bottle. The saga of my swell bottle. Have you lost it? Because I found that thing like three times for you. I know, but it was confiscated. (gasps) By the TSA? No, by the people at the Mets game. Okay, so Micah was in New York. If you haven't been tuning in, last episode we recorded and she was in New York. And since then, she was also in New York a little bit and went to the Mets <laughs> game. And what happened? They, were, they confiscated it. Yeah, I was like, I asked my boyfriend, John, and I said, do you think they'll, like, allow me to have this water bottle? And he was like, yeah, it's just a water bottle. It'll be empty. It'll be fine. And then we walked in and this, like, mean lady from Queens was like, you can't have that metal water bottle. And I was like, well, um, but it's empty. And she said, we can go put it in your car. And I was like, I don't, don't have, have a car. car. Who do you think I am? I took the subway. Um, yeah, so I had to give it up. I'm and like, did you get it back? No. It's gone. It's somewhere in Queens. It's so this sad. The worst. Well, that's very upsetting. Um, mm-hmm. I have been having a slightly better time than that. I haven't had <laughs> any drink bottles confiscated. Um, mm-hmm. I... Last time we spoke, I was in Ireland interning, so I finished up my internship, which was really great, and we mm-hmm. had a bit of a pate with the fam, which was also great, and then I flew to first to Melbourne, and then the next day to uh, New Zealand, where I spent a couple weeks camping about um, in winter. Like it, The weather was really good, actually. We got pretty lucky with that, and um yeah, I had a great time. Um, I survived the camping a lot better than like I thought I would. I thought I would be like, freaking get me out of here. But I enjoyed it. And I did lots of cool activities. Like I did whitewater rafting and like a crazy bungee jump thing. Which and looked really cool. It was super cool. I think I've just like definitely come to the conclusion that I am a city person and mm-hmm. I am an indoor person. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of never want to hike again. Like <laughs> and like I was with my friend and like you know we would like climb up a mountain and like she'd love it. Like she'd love hiking up there and then we'd like get up there and she'd be like, "Oh my god, this is so beautiful." And I'm like, "That's like probably like the same way I would look at like 
the city of Boston from like the Prudential. Like I, mm-hmm. like I prefer looking at that and I prefer yeah. doing it from indoors having got an elevator up there. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, now I'm back in Melbourne, Australia where I'm going to school. <laughs> That's kind of been all the jazz, all the jazz with Yaz. If only you guys could see Yaz's face when she said school. It was a face. <sighs> just, just, no, I go to a great, I go to a great school. It's great. Um, I just, I haven't been in a while. Like we, we finished up in Boston in April and I've been kind of like steadily holidaying since. So it's going to mm-hmm. be weird having to like travel and, you know, it was going to take me like nearly two hours to get there by public transport. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. Um, how's your summer job going, Micah? It's going pretty well. I'm mostly just chilling, working part-time, hanging out, enjoying Vancouver summer, which is one of the best places to be in summer. Um, Super nice. Going to a lot of, like, house parties, hanging out, having fun. I actually um, met a guy from Prince Edward Island at an ice bar. Yeah, I was at an ice bar in New Zealand, and he had, like, a little badge saying that he was from, like, Canada because they were all, like, Mm -hmm. holiday workers, and I was like, oh, like, where are you from? And he was like, uh, Prince Edward Island. And I was like, oh my God, like random. And he was like, you know of it? And I was like, yeah, like one of my very best friends lives in Canada and I was just there. And he was like, God. So, um, yeah. So that's, that's what our, our jazz has been. Um, it seems like we both had some time to be doing some reading, watching and listening though, Micah, what have you been reading this month? I have not actually been reading reading. Um, For some reason, I just decided I didn't want to read an actual book, but I've been listening to a lot of books. Um, That's cool. I do that like with the the Boston Public Library. They do a lot of audio books and I've just realized I have a couple Audible credits that I didn't realize I was paying for. Um, So (laughs) I've also been doing that. Yeah. What have you been listening to then? Um, So I finished the last book in the Neapolitan novels. It's a series um, by Elena Ferrante about these two... Cool name. Oh yeah. She's Italian. Oh, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. um, These... it's the lifetime of these two girls who grow up in Naples and they both like go on very different paths, even though from they're from this very like poor background and one of them like goes off to school and the other one, like gets married at 16. And what time uh, is it set in? It's set in post-war um, Naples and then it Which like moves one? into present day. Oh, the second one. <laughs> the, um, the revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's really awesome. And it's kind of, the first book is called My Brilliant Friend, and it's on all of these lists of, like, the top 20 feminist books you need to read, because it's one of the oh, first great. of its kind to, like, really just investigate the lives of two women as, like, friends and as people. Um, really awesome. It's also really cool, because Elena Ferrante is one of the world's most famous, like, pseudonyms. Like, no one actually knows who she is. It's, like, a big mystery. <gasps> and, like, in Italy, people have been trying to out her for, like, 20 years, and no one really knows, like, who this woman is, if she's even a woman, like, anything. That's, like, um, did you ever read those, like, fairy books? Like, the Ruby the Red Fairy and, like, yeah. all those kind of ones? Yeah, and they were written by, like, a Daisy Meadows, and then it turns out that, like, yeah, that's, like, 10 different people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's apparently with a lot of, like, children's series, like, those big ones, like, we have a few of them in Australia, like, Zach Powers and, like, there's, like, Total Girl Spies or something like mm-hmm. that. And, like, they're all kind of, yeah, written under, like, 
a pen name, but it's like mm-hmm. lots of different people. So maybe that could even be the case. It could be. Uh, there's yeah. only four of them and they're a very long book. So maybe, who knows? Um, maybe. Yeah. So that was really good. And I started listening to the first one way back in like February on one of my first trips to New York while I was in Boston. And so I've been listening to these four books for the last like five wow. months. And mm-hmm. so it was really awesome to finish it. Would highly recommend. I don't know what it's like to read them, but listening to them been great. Yeah. Um, and then I also um, started in New York, The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. I've heard McKenzie. so many good things about that. Oh, it's like the the book in YA that everyone wants to read right now. Yeah, right? Um, yeah. And it's awesome. It's set in like the 1700s. Um, and it's about um, this gay boy as he like travels around Europe and then like hijinks ensues and they um, meet pirates at one point and like kidnappers and all of these random fun. things. That's so much cool. Fun. Oh yeah, I started listening to it. I was set loose on New York by myself and I just kind of walked around for four hours and I listened to four hours of it in one city. Whoa. Oh yeah. It was really Crazy good. Cat. I know. I'm wild like that. Well, I will definitely have to get on to that. I've also been having um, a YA moment because I do enjoy a bit of YA. Um, and I read Leah, or actually I listened to it as well, mm-hmm. uh, Leah on the Offbeat by Becky Albertalli. I mm-hmm. believe I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and she is the author of Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda, which was recently I started that in- today. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that was made into the movie Love, Simon, which we actually saw together in Boston and mm-hmm. we loved it. It was, it was super, super cute. Um, so this book, uh, Leah on the Offbeat, isn't, it's not really a sequel, but it's in the same universe. Um, they call it the Simonverse. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it involves the same characters and things like that and like the same mm-hmm. setting, but it's told from the perspective of uh, Leah Burke, who is Simon's best friend in... Um, Simon versus the Homo Sabian Agenda, and she's played by Catherine Langford. I, th- I think that's her name, Catherine Langford, in the movie. Yeah. Um, and she also plays Hannah in 13 Reasons Why. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there were some really, really great things about this book, you know, like um, the people have been asking for in YA. So, like, you know, she, like, Leah is a self proclaimed, like, fat girl, and she's almost always perfectly okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, she's bisexual, and she has some, like, really cool um hobbies like drawing and drumming mm-hmm. um there's also some like really funny like laugh out loud moments um they have like a screw up with their prom dinner reservation that's hilarious and then there's like a reference to like the dentist who killed the lion they're like oh well, you're like the worst you're the, the second worst after the dentist who killed the lion I, I i love those kind of little almost like gilmore girls-esque kind of like dialogue moments um and it was also read by Shannon Purser, who plays Barb in Stranger Things. Oh, cool. So, yeah, that was that. I like that. That was cool. Um, but like overall, this was really bad. But I didn't like really enjoy the book. Um, yeah. So, like, I think a lot of it was because I'd read some bad reviews before. Like, I read it and was like maybe a little bit influenced by them. And like, mm-hmm. what they had said was that it felt a bit like like fan fictiony, like. Mm-hmm that like uh, people were like I don't know if this would have sold by itself or if it's just kind of like because it was you know due to the success of like Simon and like it was 
yeah, like it, it did read a little bit like, oh, I get to see my favorite characters again, you know, rather than yeah. like a standalone kind of thing. So that might be great if like you're really into that because, um, you know, like Simon and Bram from like Simon versus like they're in it and they're great. And, um, but like some of it, like, I don't know, I felt like the plot wasn't very clear. There was like things that happened in Simon versus that was like, completely undone or like almost like retconned in a way like i think we talked about before how like in friday night lights it's very much like hinted at the beginning that like tim riggins is like 18 but then he's like 16 like they yeah. like he, he's not 18 for like three years time like they panic retcon it and i felt like there were some things here that i was like oh wait that doesn't quite add up um and then like some things were like really really like spelled out for the reader like very heavy-handed like you know leah was like you know she was talking about how she's like a heavier girl or like she doesn't come from like a rich family and it'll be things like you know she would like it would just be very very spelled out rather than like nicely hinted at for the reader to like infer so yeah. um i mean it might be one you absolutely love i know lots of people did but it wasn't really what i was what i was looking for have you ever read a book like that where you loved something else by an author and you didn't really feel their other works or much yeah i have um i actually really liked the original the actual book 13 reasons why oh okay um, way back in the day and then he jay asher wrote it and then he wrote another book about like going into like the internet being really weird i have it on my shelf somewhere (laughs) uh i can't find it because my books are double stacked (laughs) um but yes he wrote a second book it was not very good um i wonder if Um, i like reread 13 reasons why if i'd like it i probably wouldn't yeah it's the hard thing with like changing perspectives and things i never read it but like you know the other harper lee book that they released the yeah yeah, like a lot of people didn't like that yeah yeah that that would have been a little bit disappointing. Um, like it's one thing if you didn't like, I feel that, like, you know, the, an early release and then you feel that they get better, but it's like, you know, hard when you don't really like the, the new stuff, a second one. Yeah. Like bands. I only like the old stuff. I feel like um, a lot of people felt like that with a casual vacancy. I never actually finished it. I couldn't get into it. No, it actually got real good. The last like maybe hundred pages, but again, there was like 500 pages before that. Yeah. That was like, I really like the mystery stuff, the Robert Galbraith stuff. I think that's fun. Oh, I didn't get into that, but it's very um, like very dark and like crime. I'll add it to the list for for next for next month. I think. Um, yeah, have you been watching much this month, Micah? Well, you know exactly what I've been watching. Um, I do have a Google Doc. We are actually prepared for this, um, and I've been. Uh, bugging you about it a lot i watched um true i've been getting a lot of i was getting the funniest messages about <laughs> it. Um, um i started watching and finished big little lies i think yasmin mentioned this in like our first episode how she was like i watched this thing and it was so good um, yeah and now here i am four Month months later <laughs> um no i i was an old person and i rented it from the library because i'm back very in Canada nice and don't have amazon prime anymore um yeah yeah it's real sad but yeah so good kind of obsessed i'm happy that they're doing season two only because i want more but also like i understand that it kind of should have been its own thing yeah like i'm i'm confused where they're gonna go because like the ending of the series was the ending of the book but yeah 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 Mm -hmm. no it's great um 
I loved, like, while I was reading it, I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, I really like this character, Ed, who is Madeline's husband. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't really think you're supposed to have any particular feelings towards him, but I was mm-hmm. like, I love him. And I was like, I'm not going to Google who plays him in the series because, like, I might be put off. And then I found out it was <laughs> only the love of my life, Adam Scott. And I was like, I had, like, a sixth sense for him. I must mm-hmm. have. So, I, yeah, he, he was great. Who did you enjoy in it? I think Nicole Kidman was definitely my favorite character. Really? I think she had, like, so much, like, as an actress, she had so much thrown at her that she had to do, and she did it so well. I found her accent slipped a lot. Oh, her I did accent have, did slip a lot. Like, she'd be yelling at, like, her her husband, and, like, yeah, she'd sound Australian, and you're kind of like, oh. But other than that. Yeah. And she's so pretty. She is. She is. I just love Reese. I have such a such a soft spot for Reese, mm-hmm. like the rest of the world. She's she's fantastic. And mm-hmm. I loved how much like twists and turns there were. Like, you know, you're so led to believe one thing at the beginning. And like, mm-hmm. I remember you messaging me being like, oh my God, this kid, like who is the root of all the problems. And then your mind was blown. Mm-hmm. What I really yeah. liked about it is that for those who haven't seen it, you learn this very quickly, like at the very first five minutes mm-hmm. is that someone has been um, like murdered at this event and then what they do is they take you back to before the event. But there are times when you're watching it where you just forget that a murder has happened and you're just so invested in what's You're still happening. interested. You're still like, oh, these people's regular lives are somehow yeah. so interesting. And you forgot that, like, this ends in murder. And then yeah. you remember and you're like, oh, right. Oh. <laughs> this is a thing. So, yeah. yeah. No, that was, that was great. So good. Have you watched anything else? Um, one thing I watched while I was still in New York, which I only mention now because I love Boston and Yasmin loves Boston, is what John- do I? I don't think anyone knows that. I never <laughs> no know about it ever. No I one. Never ever say anything about it. I probably hate it. Um, John and I watched The Departed, which is a Martin Scorsese movie, and mm. it has all of your Boston favorites. Well, it doesn't have either of the. Um, Benny the Benny or the Casey which thank god there's no Casey Affleck yeah I'm fine for no Casey Ben is it's his his birthday in a couple weeks oh nice Um, August 15th kids August 15th (laughs) it's also my sister's birthday but number one Ben's Uh, Um, yeah it had but it has Matt Damon um Mark Wahlberg or Marky Mark as I like yeah I'm just reading this like I love that you haven't written as Marky Mark because like I refuse to call him anything else he's Marky Mark he is Marky Mark um Leo DiCaprio Martin Sheen who I love because West Wing and then Jack Nicholson who is clearly the best character and actor in it but yeah whatever (laughs) everyone else is really good too um but it's about like these two parallel stories that like interact obviously um of Leo DiCaprio who is an undercover cop in like the uh, I guess Irish mob um, in Southie, and then Matt Damon, who is um, uh, part of the criminal gang, but is working in the police undercover. Isn't sorry, like wasn't? Wait, not Matt Damon. No, Marky Marks was like literally a bad person in South Boston, like as a young person. So I feel oh, yeah. this is like a little bit close to the bone. He but plays anyway. a cop in this. Um, oh, well, that's a change because I think yeah. he was getting freaking arrested by them. <laughs> he um. He was actually nominated for Best Supporting Actor wow. for his role, which is pretty cool. I don't think he was the best person in it. I think so many people were better. But anyways, it's so good. And, like, there's so many iconic Boston landmarks. Aww. And um, at one point, you can, like, Matt Damon has a view of um, the state building in um, 
from his apartment. And so yeah. I, after the movie, I was like, John, where do you think he lives? Like, clearly he doesn't live in Beacon Hill, but maybe he lives yeah, in Yeah, like, does he live on the freaking common? Like, <laughs> I know. It kind yeah. of looks like he lives in the common, but I think he lives, like, in downtown. So. Right. Yeah, speaking of that, I remember, like, again, Friday Night Lights, there's an episode where, like, Julie and Tammy go to Boston, and they're on our street. They go to, they go to BU, and, like, the, they take the tea and, like, get off of that stop. And I'm like, that's literally where we lived. Like, they were on <laughs> our street. And then there was some other Ben Affleck movie that, like, came on briefly while my parents were, like, flipping the channel the other week. Mm-hmm. And, like, he was, like, walking into, like, a dry cleaners or something. But, like, mm-hmm. as he was, like, walking down the street, I was, like, I literally know where that is. And, like, my sense of direction is bad, but my love for Boston is, like, so huge that I was, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, that's, like, right up by the Bunker Hill Monument. I was, like, I know exactly where that street is. <laughs> and I was, like, God, I, like, I've been living in this town in Australia for, like, 10 years. And, like, people will mention a road. And I'm, like, I don't know where that is. But, like, yeah. um, this street, I was, like, Yeah. The only disappointment I suffered is that most of I so then I look Googled other movies set in Boston and they're all crime movies. It's like mm. the only thing set in Boston. It's very sad. Actually, so. um, in my my screenwriting class mm-hmm. that I did at college, we we uh, wrote us a. Uh, Netflix potential Netflix show mm-hmm. about sugar babies that was set in Boston. So that could be maybe one day you'll see that out there. I hope so. Yeah. And I believe you watched another movie this month. I watched many movies, but the one I want to talk about is Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Yeah, I went to see that too. Mostly because I went in and I was like, this isn't going to be very good. Like, it's No, because be the fun. first one was like literally amazing. And I, yeah, I adjusted my expectations for this yeah. one. And this one I knew didn't have a lot of Meryl Streep in it or any. And so I yeah. was like, how could it be good? I don't like can't compare anyways more questions than real answers like why would you seduce someone to waterloo this is the yeah question. there was a few bits like even at the end where they did like a song to fernando and it's supposed to be romantic but like i was like everyone can hear the words like it doesn't make any sense it's about a war like saying like these are about wars like <laughs> and like it just didn't make like at least why are you trying one. to get into people's pants? I don't. Yeah, understand. and like the first one, the songs. One, the songs are better. They used all the good ones, like the good songs. Oh, yeah. the first one. This time they were either like reusing. They had maybe one or two good ABBA songs left, like the ones that people knew, and then it was mm-hmm. just like bad ones. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was strange because like at least in the first movie, the songs made sense. You're like, oh, it's so clever how they managed to weave them in. But like mm-hmm. Waterloo and Fernando, I'm like, this is about a war. I can tell this. Yeah. Um, but anyway, my other um, thing is that it they establish that Donna Meryl Streep's character had Sophie, um, Amanda Seyfried's character at twenty something, like young yeah, twenty, about twenty three, twenty four, yeah. yeah. And in the first movie, Sophie is twenty, which means and Meryl Streep is clearly like sixty something. Like yeah, it doesn't make any in sense. In the first right? movie, she's supposed to be forty two. She's not, whatever, but like no. that's they're not saying that either. Like it's clear that her and her friends are not. 42 so it's just that doesn't really make sense and then and then Cher is her mom and she's like what four years older than Meryl Streep in real life like the other thing that doesn't make sense and this is me getting really into it so like Mm -hmm. Sophie was supposed to be born like let's say 1979 to 1980 probably if she was graduating in 1979 Sophie would have been born in 1980 that's what like Mm -hmm. they established at the beginning of like the second movie but like by this movie She's meant to be 25, I believe. Yeah. 
it's only meant to be five years since the first one, mm-hmm. but she has an iPhone. Yes. And I'm like, so that would have, like, this isn't 2005. This doesn't make sense. Like, she has an iPhone. Like, mm-hmm. I, because I, I was willing to think, I was like, oh, maybe the, like, the first one could have been set anytime, but mm-hmm. like in this one, she has an iPhone. So she would have to be like, 35 not mm-hmm. 20 like it doesn't make sense it doesn't the make whole sense. i like left this movie and i was like john i don't understand like none of it makes sense and you're supposed you're- to suspend disbelief for it but disbelief. i don't know yeah i i thought it was like fun like i like the sing-along mm-hmm. at the end and stuff but like yeah, it was wasn't as good as the first there, no. there were people in the theater who loved it one woman cried like, I could audibly hear her crying behind me. I got a little teary at a bit, but, like, yeah, yeah it but wasn't really... Falling? No, and also, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, no one was laughing when Pierce Brosnan was singing, and I was like, guys, this has been, like... <laughs> so a, a, funny. It's been so a meme bad. for, like, ten years of everyone laughing at Pierce Brosnan singing, and then, like, literally no one was laughing, and I was like, why are you all so boring? But... Yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Um... Yeah, I have also been having some some screen time. Um, mm-hmm. I've been a little bit out of it recently because I left Ireland. But when I was there, I was super, super into Love Island, like the original mm-hmm. UK one. Mm-hmm. Um, and like at first I was kind of like, I didn't really get it because it's the one that like everyone's obsessed with. And I was sort of mm-hmm. like, like I like reality shows and I didn't really get this. But mm-hmm. like everyone in the office I was interning at watched it and all my family and like friends. Mm-hmm. So it like made it really difficult to not watch it. Like if you just even wanted to speak to humans. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I like forced myself to watch it and then to get super into it. So if you don't know what it is, it's basically like a bunch of hot people go to an island and they have to like couple up and like, you know, live there for like two months or whatever. And like mm-hmm. the winner like the best couple at the end gets like 50,000 pounds or something. And then I think they can choose like whether like one of them gets it and then like they split it or you can just like run off with it. And like there's usually, you know, a lot of like drama, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of like stealing of boyfriends and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people have said there's like a fair few problematic elements. So like a few of my friends are watching it and like in the first episode, the guys pick the girls and like the girls mm-hmm. just have to kind of, go along with it and people were like oh don't really like that and then there was like you know there's been a talk about the lack of body diversity um and i actually wrote a little article about that so oh, we'll cool. link to that um and it is just kind of like skinny tanned people on the show which kind of almost like sends a message that like you have to be hot to find love kind of thing so like mm-hmm. you know but like with all reality shows like if you just take it with a pinch of salt like it's enjoyable. It's the same way you would with like, you know, the bachelor. If you're not thinking too much about, you know, that it's a guy who's having his pick of women who worship him, you know, it can be really fun reality TV. You just have to kind of like not take it too seriously really. Cause I don't think they're taking it too seriously either. Um, and yeah, I really, it's super, super addictive. It's on like every night in like over there. Um, they do like a, a kind of a highlights on Saturday, but like other than that, it's like, yeah, every night. And, um, that's insane. Yeah, so it's like it's a good like hour every night and like everyone watches it. It's a big it's a big commitment and yeah, like I would even like I went for like a lunch with like these Irish celebrities like as part of my internship and like they were all literally like, Let's talk about Love Island and like <laughs> these like famous people who were like this was their priority over the mm-hmm. summer. Um and yeah, it's actually brought up like a lot of interesting social points. Um, without even really trying to, you know, it's just like natural kind of like society under a microscope thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, a lot of like the girls that I interned with wrote some really great articles about it. So I thought um, I would just link to some of those. So um, 
one of them was called um, like an Irish surgery reveals increase in booking since the beginning of Love Island. Um, there's like a couple girls on there who've had like a lot of work done and like they look mm-hmm. stunning. So obviously people want to do that. Um, and then there's Love Island viewers saw a different side to Alex last night and they didn't like it. Um, he was a guy who was like very kind of like, he was the only one who wasn't like tanned and he was a doctor. So he was like, they're all kind of like, car salesmen and like models and club promoters and like the like that you know hairdressers and like that kind of thing there's no problem like yeah that's awesome but like he's like a little bit different and that he's like a doctor and he's a bit posh and like he's not very good at talking to women and yeah and there was a bit where people felt like it was he thought that people like owed him something because no one else liked him that when anyone new came in they had to go for him because like we went to feel sorry for him so that was that was interesting yeah, and then there was um, Piers Morgan tried to humiliate Love Island's Haley live on air, and it did not work. That's a pretty I funny article. Yeah. yeah, so these ones are all written by my good friend Helen O'Neill, so you should definitely read those. Um, so, yeah, uh, Valerie Loftus, who is the editor of Stellar Online, she wrote um, How Love Island 2018 is Opening Up the Conversation on Emotional Abuse. Um, and she did, like, a lot of research into, like, um, speaking with, like, people about that and like professionals because mm-hmm. there was one guy on it who was just a nasty piece of work like you know the girl he was coupled up with was very upset with the way he was acting and he kind of just like laughed in her face and like it was just lots of like manipulative things that people do that like are kind of deemed okay in a relationship and are really not so like there was a big discussion in Ireland about that so that was that was really great and um yeah I just Definitely recommend having a bit of read on that. Uh, it finishes up on Monday, I believe. So hopefully we get this episode out before that. Otherwise, this will be a bit of a recap for you on Love Island 2018. Is it a big deal in Australia? Yeah. So there's a Love Island Australia, which is different. They don't show the UK one over here. They just have okay. the Love Island Australia. But it has finished up. Before I, no I one. No one in North America is talking about Love Island. No, it is like the biggest thing in Ireland and the UK, though. Like, it's, it's funny. It's the biggest thing. Like, my Facebook is just like that's all it is. Like, and it's all anyone talks about. Like, that's wonderful, is. actually. It's like it's like our Olympics. Like every year, Australia has like The Bachelor. Like everyone gets really into The Bachelor, mm-hmm. um, and I would say Love Island is like our version of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty great. Pretty great. Um, yeah, so that was, that was what I was doing in Ireland. I also, um, in listening news, mm-hmm. I, I went, Mike is already smiling. I can see her. I, so cool. I'm smiling as well. Yeah, you are. Like blushing. Um, I went to see the killers and it was like, I, as someone who speaks a lot, I am lost for words on it. Um, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I've been wanting to see them for a long time. Like I missed out a couple of times recently. So like they'd sold out when they were in Ireland last November. And like, I wasn't like, I hadn't got my flights booked back yet. So like, I couldn't buy the tickets at the time. And then when I got there, they were sold out. Mm-hmm. And then the biggest um, regret of our friendship is that yeah. we weren't friends sooner to see them on our it was my fifth day in Boston and your like second day in Boston or something. Yeah, I think I would have missed them because my flight got delayed because of the snow or like mm-hmm. I would have just got in like that, like 3 a.m. that morning or something. Mm-hmm. So like I'm a little bit less regretful because like logistically it didn't work out. But I like mm-hmm. we both have been looking at those like tickets so many times and like, yeah, we just didn't know anyone or like what it was going to be like when we got to Boston. So like yeah. we do regret that. But um I have to say it was probably my favorite concert ever um, mm-hmm. since like 
August 1st, 2013. It has been blur because um, they hold like a very special place in my heart. Um, Like they were my absolute favorite band when I was a teenager. Like I was, I've never been obsessed with anything as much as I was obsessed with blur. Like they were my life. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, seeing them for the first time live was like absolutely magic. And this was really great though, because like it was, you know, there was more like theatrics. Like there was like, you know, a, a, a confetti cannon at the beginning and they had like lasers and smoke and stuff. Whereas like cool. blur were very much just like four guys with instruments kind of thing, which, which I loved as well. Um, there was like really great interaction with the crowd. Like, you know, like Brandon had some like stories and like at the end, like Ronnie just got up and was like, thanks everyone for coming. Like, and it was really, it was really strange. Everyone was like, Oh, I feel like I've just gone to his dinner party or something. And, um, yeah, they have like so, so, so many like songs that everyone knows. Like my dad had like said that like as much as he loved Blur, they would do a lot of things like B-sides and stuff like that. Whereas like with the killers, even if like you don't know that they're by the killers, you probably know them. So like, you know, all those, the, the huge songs they have um and like the highlights probably for me would be like they did for reasons unknown with a fan on the drums which was really cool and as i said yeah they opened with like the man and like a confetti cannon and then uh yeah brandon flowers came out in a gold suit for the encore which was like so cool and like started with um jenny was a friend of mine which like went off jenny was a friend of mine like went off and then um mm-hmm. you know there were songs that like I've always loved, like, you know, I always get like a bit teary in the way it was and mm-hmm. it had um, Smile Like You Mean It, which they did on the OC back in the day and I loved and like yeah. they did Read My Mind, which was on, again, Friday Night Lights, freaking hell, Friday Night Lights is getting a, a, a shout out in this this episode. Um, they did in every cover, episode. Every episode, I'm like, Tom Brady, Friday Night Lights, Boston. Uh, <laughs> They, yeah, they did a cover of The Hole of the Moon by the Waterboys, which was really great. That's um, cool. Yeah, they've done it a few times since because they were playing in Scotland afterwards. But, like, this was the first time it is. Mm-hmm. Like, that was really great. Like, we got to see it first. And then, of course, Mr. Brightside, um, which is perhaps the most iconic song of the past, like, 20 years, I would say. Oh, yeah. um, it's like you act, I actually could not hear Brandon sing a single word. Like, honestly, I didn't hear him sing anything. It was mm-hmm. like the crowd was so, so loud. Um, like when I'd seen like song two and like wonder wall performed live, like more intense than that, even like it was mm-hmm. crazy. And one of my friends like recently called it the millennial bohemian rhapsody. And I think that's like, it's so true. It's like, it's honestly like the most iconic time of our life, like song of our lifetime. But I think, yeah, that's really great because there's been lots of equally as catchy songs that are just like pure trash. And like, Mm -hmm. we actually picked something good. Like as a society, we picked a good song to make the song of our lifetime. And like, I've never met anyone who's would, you know, doesn't like it or would get sick of Mr. Brightside. And that's the thing is that it's like the karaoke song for white dudes. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, that, that was, that was one thing I was a little bit worried about because like, um, when I was in New Zealand recently, we went to a bar and they were doing karaoke and we were like, it was kind of like a bit of a, yeah, like a football white dude crowd there. And yeah. I was like, God, they're going to get so into Mr. Brightside. Cause like they performed it at the football grand final in Australia last year. And like one of the yeah. guys in the winning team got up and sang it. So it's become like even more of like a, a bro kind of thing, mm-hmm. but no one in the bar sang it. I mean, like, it was us. We were having a freaking jam. There was like one other guy singing and then freaking like Hey Baby and like Cotton Eye Joe came on afterwards and like everyone got into that and I honestly, we were like, we're leaving. We left because people just get into this. 
I like, yeah, it's annoying that it's become a bit of like a broy white dude thing. Um, but yeah, there's some other like, there's been a lot of think pieces about it. So, um, because like it's kind of bizarre because like at the time of the release of Mr. Brightside, mm-hmm. I have a lot of, I have a lot of like thoughts on this. Um, mm-hmm. But like somebody told me it did a lot better. Like that was like their second single and that got to like mm-hmm. number three or something like, on the charts and like Mr. Brightside only was like number 10 and then like dropped off. And like on that vein, like when I saw The Killers, they were supported by Franz Ferdinand who also released their debut album in 2004 and um, Enemy, which was like the big like indie music magazine in like, in the uk they gave like franz ferdinand the second best song of the year for take me out and um like and i think the number one album of the year whereas like hot fuss was like album number 13 and like mr brightside was like song number four almost a perfect album i think it's i think it's probably i was i've been thinking about this a lot i think they're all singles i think you could conceivably release everything as a single oh yeah like i would say like my favorites would be like on top and like believe me natalie but like, yeah. and like Jenny was a friend of mine as like a fan favorite, but like, there's no weak points. Like it's all, it, I think it's like one of the most perfect albums of ever. So yeah, but they, they thought Franz Ferdinand was better and it's like funny it's that wrong. it worked out. Yeah. It's funny that it worked out with like the killer song becoming like far more iconic and then them being the headline act 14 years later. <laughs> So this week in politics, I thought I'd pick up on some Canadian news that isn't Canadian at all um, and talk about, this will make sense in a second, um, and talk about the White Helmets. Um, also, their real name is the Syrian, or the Syria Civil Defense Force, or some of these different acronyms. Um, and it's Canadian news in that Canada is going to be accepting about 800 of the White Helmets in their family in the next hopefully like three or four months, depending on how long vetting happens and how long that takes, um, which is really exciting. So I thought in this episode, I would talk a bit about who the White Helmets are and why they're important and why their name might sound really familiar to you, but you might not totally remember where you've heard it. So I have to say, I know absolutely nothing about this. Like, like mm-hmm. I mean, like literally nothing. So I'm really excited for this. They're really, really cool. Um, and yeah, they're awesome. Um, so... Unfortunately, we have to get into one of the most complicated things that has happened in the 21st century, which is the Syrian civil war. Mm. Um, But basically, very abridged version. You could spend an entire academic semester talking about this. But um, the Syrian civil war started in the Arab Spring um, and wasn't very spring, actually, because only one country really had a revolution that stuck, which was Tunisia. Um, but Syria saw all these other places having revolutions, including Egypt, and decided we're going to have a revolution too. And so they had protests against Bashar al-Assad, who was the dictator and is still the dictator of Syria and has, had taken that dictatorship from his father, um, never had real elections there at all. And instead of being successful or cracking down like in some other places a civil war broke out in Syria um, that has been one of the bloodiest um, and most disastrous and most I I would say one of the conflicts that has most affected the world as a whole in the 21st century um, because everyone is involved um, in different ways so currently or not currently but while there was fighting for the last seven years there were many many different players 
all in Syria. It was very, very confusing. Um, just to name a few, you had the Kurds, who are the independent people who live in Turkey slash Syria, who don't have a nation. Um, Turkey, ISIS, who we know and hate. Um, Russia, who we know and are very confused. scared and confused by. Um, <laughs> the U.S. for a time. Um, Canada. We was know them. them. We do know them. Um, the Syrian rebels, who should not be 100% at all confused with the Syrian government or the Syrian regime, who is Bashar al-Assad. Syrian rebels are the people who were revolting. Um, Iran was there for a bit, and because Iran was there, Israel was also kind of there, but not really. If you say that they were in the Syrian war, they'll get mad at you. So they were bombing things, but only when it was Iran and Hezbollah. Very confusing, basically. Huge humanitarian crisis, millions upon millions of refugees fled Syria, caused insane political change in the world. And then in amongst all of this like destruction, chaos, awfulness come the White Helmets. Um, so the White Helmets are these um, civilians, Syrian civilians, who take it upon themselves to save people from the destruction. And they don't care who they're saving, they will save anyone who's in harm. Um, and who's been hurt, and they don't care if they destroyed anything. They will, they're just trying to reduce the loss of life. Um, they're really awesome, and their slogan is, to save one life is to save all humanity, which is a Quranic verse. So they are some of the people who, a lot of the footage you've seen from Syria, and a lot of the like heartwarming and also heart-wrenching moments have come from the witnessing that they have done. Um, and the work that they have done. So if you remember that picture of that boy in the ambulance. Um, yes. Like, covered, yeah. So they saved him. Um, they oh, also saved. Wow. Yeah. They saved the miracle baby who was under rocks for like two weeks. Um, like they've all of the like really iconic stuff in the Syrian civil war. A lot of that has come from them. And they're amazing. They're like very, anyone can join who's Syrian at the height. They were, um, but 3,400 members were part of the group, wow. um, which is very impressive considering like 6 million Syrians were displaced. So some were displaced from like internally, a lot of them left Syria and like the Syrian population wasn't that big to begin with. Mm. Um, and so here are all these, these people who are just like, no, we're going to stay and we're going to help. Um, just truly amazing. And so they've, um, been not only have they been uh, helping people, but they've also been working really hard to document and witness, like I was saying. And one of the biggest things they did is that they have been documenting the Assad regime and all of the awful things they've been doing. So they were the people who took footage of the chemical attacks that Assad had on his own people, um, mm. which have made them very popular with some people and the biggest enemies of others, which is kind of why in the long run why Canada is accepting them now. But before we get into that, cool things that have come out of the White Helmets, other than the fact that they've saved 60,000 people's lives. Whoa. Um, yeah. Um, is that they were up for the Nobel Peace Prize in wow. 2017. They didn't end up winning. I think some nuclear people won. I don't remember who won that year. They didn't win, but they, it was looking like they were going to win. And they also um, had a documentary made about them, documentary made about them, which you can watch on Netflix now, and I really need to watch. Um, but it actually won Best Short at the Oscars. Wow. Yeah. So really cool 
very cool that like people were able to film that because it's not exactly a nicest place to be. No. Um, and one thing that's really interesting about them is that like they're in the epitome of war, like they're in a war zone and they're like, they're not fighting, like they're there to be helpers. Um, but like, obviously they're allied with people who are fighting in that like they need to get places to save people's lives. But one part of the war that they are a part of is this war of information um, that has become like a really big part of politics now of whoever controls the narrative. And it's always been that way in politics, but now more than ever, like we see this with Trump a lot that like whoever controls the narrative of what's happening is in some way has more power than whoever controls the force. And so the White Helmets have made themselves a big enemy of uh, Assad and therefore Russia, because Russia backs the Syrian regime. Um, and so Russia especially has been trying to get them completely discredited. Um, one reason they don't like them is because of the exposing, but also because they get a lot of money from the West, from like like Bill Gatesy type characters who think that they deserve money to like save people's lives. Um, and I think like governments also support them. Um, but so anyways, the Russians have been doing this like fake news campaign where they've been trying to uh, claim that they're connected to Al Qaeda and are terrorists. Ooh. So these people who are all they're trying to do is like save lives mm. and they're getting accused of being terrorists, which I think is really interesting and is um, interesting, especially because it's not just like, in Russia and in the Middle East that these rumors mm. have been spreading. It's been um, spread also by people like Alex Jones of InfoWars. Do you know who that is? No, I don't. So he's like, he's the guy who thinks that the um, Sandy Hook massacre oh. is fake. Yeah. Okay. Now so, I'm now I'm on board. Yeah. It's a super American. He's part of like the alt right American culture that's happening right now, and he's right, not like okay. he's not Russian at all. He is purebred American. Right. Um. So it's really interesting, and I think it shows that, like, stepping back from the white helmets, that mm. we need to be a bit more aware as like members of the world and citizens of like how we consume media and like like if we'd only read certain things and especially with like things that are far from our borders that we might believe what the Russians are telling us because we don't necessarily know it's from the Russians it's from like people from our own countries um and like part of our responsibility I think as people who like live in the world and affect the world and like important ways by voting and by living in society like we need to know that not everything that's coming up to us is true right now mm. um, more than yeah. ever which is scary it um, is yeah it's um an interesting time to like live and see what's happening and i think that it is. we've seen that a bit through like all of the things we've been trying to cover on this podcast with politics, mm. like with the Irish referendum, there was a lot of fake news that was. Yeah, happening. exactly. Yeah. Um, and sometimes there's like different types of being critical, but this is like a very important thing. So that's your PSA for the day. Woo -woo. So why are we talking about the white helmets right now? Other than that, heroes who aren't completely unsung, but probably a bit unsung in the West should be talked about. Um, unfortunately, Syrian civil war, coming to a close which sounds awesome 
except the regime is winning. So Russia and Assad are taking over the entire country. ISIS is gone for the most part, which is good. No one likes ISIS. Um, We can all agree on that. Um, But uh, Assad and the Russians have really been taking over and they've just taken um, the like main stronghold of um, the rebellion where a lot of the white helmets were living and they've struck pardon deals with the rebels, but they're imprisoning and torturing the white helmets that they get because they say they're terrorists. And so the West finally came together in the midst of like Trump saying that everyone is evil and how he hates NATO and the EU and Canada and all of that. Um, They recently had a NATO conference in Brussels and it just so happened that this was right when Assad was storming Damar, which is the city where they all were. And so NATO very quickly organized together and got the help of Israel, who doesn't like to interfere, um, got the help of Israel to get 800 um, of the Syrians uh, who were white helmets with their families, or more than 800, out of Syria and into Jordan, which is amazing. And it was like, they're going to make a movie about this because oh. it's insane. I, I, they have to make a movie. <laughs> it it's happened, like Argo. I know. It happened late on a Saturday night, um, like at, in the middle of dark, and they were like, hiding from the Russians and from the um, Syrian government and also from ISIS and like had to like get all of these oh yeah all of these countries work together to get these um, like brave men women and children out Um, and then now they're in Jordan and Jordan is not a place where you want to live for the rest of your life and Jordan um, can't take more refugees because fun fact the population of Jordan has doubled because of how many refugees come in yeah, it was a very small and very poor country to begin with, and it has not been good for them. That's a different story. Um, so what's interesting is that Trump actually was part of this effort to get these white helmets out of Syria, um, but they can't slash won't, mostly won't, accept any of the Syrians because they're on the ban, the Muslim ban list. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Um, but I have some great quotes here from the beautiful countries, including my own, um, who have said that they will take them. Um, so the Canadian foreign minister, um, Freeland, who's this wonderful woman who's been through a lot recently. Um, but she said this great quote that said that, um, that she felt a deep moral responsibility towards these brave and selfless people. Um, the British government also used the term brave and selfless. Um, the German foreign, foreign minister said, um, humanity dictates that many of these brave first aiders should now find protection and refuge, some of them in Germany, which is just like, this is what international politics should be about. It should be about people mm. coming together to help those who have helped others and to help those who like can't help themselves. Um, and it's truly awesome. The sad thing is that there's still about 400 white helmets stuck in Syria. And what's really interesting is that some of them just aren't going to leave. um, Oh. They don't want to. Like, they've spent, they've, most of these, like, quite a few of the white helmets are, like, or were before the Civil War, like, professionals. Like, doctors, nurses, lawyers, like, a lot of them are also blue collar workers, but like many of these people had a chance to leave and they decided not they to. They didn't, yeah. Um, which in the course of history is kind of rare. There's so many people like 
who had this chance to leave and did like during the Holocaust, a lot of Jews like who were of the intelligentsia had this chance to leave and they did. And some stayed, but most didn't. And like it happens over and over again. Here are these people who are like, no, we're going to stay and we're going to fight in our own way, which is by saving people. Um, And so a lot of these people feel very dedicated to their country. And even though it's not, the war has not ended in the way that they wanted it to, they, um, they're going to stay, which is like amazing beautiful in a sad, yeah. sad way. So yeah, um, those are the white helmets and I think they deserve our attention and its respect. And I think they should have won the Nobel Prize because they're so amazing. Well, that was very informative for definitely me and I'm sure lots of other people. Micah, I had absolutely no clue what you were on about to be honest like when we started and now i'm like oh you know what i think i could tell people about that so that's super, the point super of the podcast i guess now it's time to educate you about something I'm and so that's excited. something something is the world cup and i'm probably the worst person to do that because I don't like sports. Um, Here we go. Yeah. So this is going to be in a little bit of a different way. Like, I don't want all the broy white dudes listening to this to be like, oh my God, a woman who hates sports is going to talk to me about sports. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, it's just, it's been a big thing, um, especially mm-hmm. like in Ireland. We were in a very like similar like time kind of place for a lot of the games. Like, you know, it was a big thing. Like my dad put like a TV outside and like a couch and like people would come over and like watch the games. And like sometimes like Love Island had to get postponed like an hour because of the game. So like wow. It was the biggest thing. And then being so close to England and how far they got, like, you know, it was the World Cup kind of like dominated the summer. So um Mm -hmm. it was Love Island and the World Cup. That was the summer. So um there was a big like pop culture focus on as well and that is what I am going to mainly speak about, but to do a bit of footwork, groundwork. I thought I could use a footwork pump, but I don't think that's appropriate. I don't think it's appropriate. <laughs> anyway, 2018 World Cup was set in Russia, and the World Cup is held every four years. So we had 32 countries competing. Um, the first game was between host country Russia and Saudi Arabia on June 14th, and that was the first of 64 games. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of, like, I remember when we went to see gorillas, like, people watching the game on their, like, phones and stuff like that. Like, you have to squeeze it in when you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all culminated in the final, which was held on July 15th between France and Croatia. Um, mm-hmm. So Croatia were in their first ever final, so that was very exciting. Um, our very good friend Vibika was in Croatia at the time, so we'll give her a little shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, France won four two, so pretty high scoring for a final, mm-hmm. um, for any game really in in, in mm-hmm. soccer. Um, who were you going for, Micah? Not in the final, even just in the whole tournament in general. I I don't know. All I you know, I did, I didn't actually watch that much. All I know is that I had it's coming home stuck in my head for three <gasps> days straight. Don't even i've had that the past three days now and i'm like why now it's done no after it wasn't coming home anymore yeah right right yeah well we'll get on to it's coming home because i have a lot to say and sing about that um yeah i was i was an iceland girl um i just thought it was so lovely that they got in but Mm -hmm. they did get knocked out fairly early despite a surprising draw with argentina which gave me some hope but yeah so 
that's that's who I was going for, Iceland. More importantly, though, who are the celebrities going for? <laughs> um, yeah. So Reese with a spoon. She was tweeting messages support to lots of teams, mm-hmm. but she did seem to have a soft spot for England. She had like a fair few messages of support for them, and then. In the finals, she was uh, a France girl, and we did post a picture on our stories recently of her and drinking some French wine with her French bulldog and her like <laughs> stripy outfit. So that was pretty great. Uh, Justin Timberlake screened an England game at one of his London shows. I think there was like a an overlap there, so they just watched that. I think it was the one they lost though. So um, yeah, and then Drake appropriately thought football was coming home, so. He was mm-hmm. like, hey, just hold on. It's coming home. <laughs> um, and then Mick Jagger was, was seen at a few games. So mm-hmm. obviously supporting England as well. So they were all the ones who seemed to have a soft spot for the three Lions. Um, but we had models like Giselle Bunchen and Alessandra Ambrosia, who she went to a game. Uh, they were supporting their native Brazil. Um, Alexander Skarsgård, who we have mentioned kind of briefly before he was in big little lies and his Which dad was in Mamma Mia. Slightly a little bit. Yeah. He's not, not a nice person in that. No. Um, he went to a game to support his native Sweden. Um, Pamela Anderson was there to support France because her boyfriend is a defender for them. So that was random. I totally wait, wait. didn't know that. How old is Pamela Anderson? She's 51, I believe. And I think her boyfriend's about 32. Good for her. Yeah, right? Like, he's a football player. I think, I don't know, she got to go to the World Cup. Sounds pretty It's pretty cool. Uh, they actually had, like, a, a one of the, um, like, betting agencies, like, in Ireland did a survey, and, like, it was, like, we have, like, some really great festivals in Ireland over summer, and, like, mm-hmm. it was, like, what would people rather, like, win? Like, VIP passes to the festival, um, like, a ticket to the World Cup final, or, like, take it to australia and go see like a rugby game and the festival in ireland won that was the most <laughs> popular one so yeah but um yeah that's who the celebrities were going for mm-hmm. the the world cup also did have a bit of a hit on the music scene mm-hmm. so uh we had robbie williams performing at the opening ceremony um which i guess random i thought normally people had like people from the host country but i guess like maybe russia doesn't have that many people the rest of the world are that into i don't know what the reason yeah. for that was Who knows? um yeah there was a bit of controversy over that because people were like oh you shouldn't have accepted the invitation because of like you know some of the things that russia does um and there was another controversy when he flipped the middle finger during the performance um Ooh. and everyone's again not quite sure why that happened and i think Fox News maybe had to apologize for that because, yeah, that's, that's not meant to happen. Um, and then Will Smith performed at the closing ceremony. <laughs> like, I just forgot that he was a, like, musician at first. Yeah, like, that feels, like, so long ago. It feels like such – I just thought for the World Cup they made might have got someone who was still mainly in that game, but obviously not. a little relevant. Yeah. Um so that that was weird um and then in the uk we had a battle for number one Mm -hmm. love a good battle for number one um they always seem to go off in the uk i feel like they care a lot more about their charts than like the u.s do and like usually their charts have a little bit more like fun to them like you know i think like indie music does a lot better Mm -hmm. and 
like novelty songs like bob the builder has like a couple number ones like in the uk that's like hilarious he, yeah he did like a cover of mumbo number five and it was like a highly successful number one mm-hmm. so this again was like a, a novelty song that people wanted to get to number songs which was like the three lions football's coming home uh yeah. by the lightning seed with um comedians david Bedio and frank skinner um, and they, the song wasn't really released in 1996 when they were the presenters of the football themed comedy show, fantasy football league. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was at the top spot then and they wanted to get it back again this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the competitors was, um, American idiot by green day, <laughs> which again is like an old song that's already had its time. Um, but Trump was making a visit and there was a lot of protests about that. So they wanted to get American Idiot to number one. The floating uh, baby. Did yeah. You it was, it? Sorry? It's beautiful. They um, had a blow up of Trump as a baby. Oh my God, stop. Yes, politics yeah, they had, at its finest. They had a lot of protests there over mm-hmm. him. So yeah, they wanted to get American Idiot to number one, which I think would have been pretty pretty cool to have like two old songs like in the race you know what i mean like it's 2018 and we're like having one from like 1996 and like when did american idiot came out like early 2000s so yeah yeah and then um but i think like the real competitor was like shotgun by george ezra Mm -hmm. um and he actually tweeted that he wanted um like football's coming home to take the crown and it eventually did so um that was exciting it did that that was after the the loss though so i think everyone was just like We'll support it anyway. And then it did slip off the charts like quite quite quickly. It I wasn't think people were too sad. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's coming home. Like you don't you don't want to hear that when you know it's not coming home. Oh, yeah. Um Yeah, also, um I it came up in my, my Spotify playlist recently. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how Spotify can like tell like tells people like what you've been listening to? Like there's a tab that's like most recently listened like artists like um like what's mine at the moment um yeah there was a one stage where it was like it had like that i'd been listening to like (laughs) that and i was like oh my god no i don't tell people that like i'm gonna have my like irish credentials taken away Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so at the moment it's not embarrassing that's fine i can deal with that i'm Mm -hmm. still a little bit embarrassed i'm not gonna read it out but uh (laughs) That's it's like so remember when like Snapchat friends was a thing and like if you had someone like inappropriate as like your Snapchat friend you'd have to like fire off a bunch of like snaps to other people like see you could just bump them off. I felt like <laughs> that's what I felt like with this, but um, yeah, the song did get did, did get quite memed, um, which was exciting. Oh, yeah. um, some good ones, personal faves was you know the scene in Friends where Marcel on the in the jungle it was like his song yeah and then like the boys have a bit of a dance to it this time he puts on football's coming home Mm -hmm. um there's like the bit in shrek where like shrek and donkey go and there's like the the little wooden figurines like doing the yeah yeah that was it a personal favorite is hugh grant dancing in love actually in in downing street so they they put it on that and it worked really well um yeah so another kind of musicy kind of politically world mm-hmm. cup thing that happened was the pussy riot um pitch invasion in the final so it's so cool yo if you don't know pussy riot is a i'm reading this straight off wikipedia um russian feminist protest punk rock group based in moscow 
Mm-hmm. So it was founded in August 2011. It has a variable membership of approximately 11 women, ranging in age from about 20 to 33. Um, so the group has staged unauthorized, provocative guerrilla performances in public spaces, and performances were filmed as music videos and posted on the internet. So their themes include feminism, LGBT rights, and opposition to Russian President Vladimir mm-hmm. P- Putin, who they view as a dictator and his policies. So they got pretty famous a few years ago. You probably remember when they staged a performance inside Moscow's Cathedral of Christ the Savior. So that yep. was in 2012. And um, the people were actually like who protested were arrested and they were held in custody um, until their trial began in late July. So that was, that was a while. And then mm-hmm. in August, uh, the three members were convicted of, quote, hooliganism motivated by religious hatred. Um, and each was sentenced to two years imprisonment. So that that trial and the sentence attracted a lot of like international attention and criticism, particularly in the West. Uh, so Amnesty International took it on, and yeah. they thought the women were prisoners of conscience. Uh, we had a huge list of musicians who pledged their support. Um, so the list that I've narrowed down, and it's still enormous, is we had... Brian Adams, Adele, Alt-J, Arcade Fire, Bjork, The Clash, Coldplay, Paloma Faith, First Aid Kit, Franz Ferdinand, Foster the People, Fun, Bob Geldof, Kim Gordon, Debbie Harry, Billy Joel, Elton John, uh, Kesha, Paul McCartney, Madonna, Marina the Diamonds, Johnny Marr, Alanis Morissette, uh, Kate Nash, Yoko Ono, Ozzy Osbourne, Portugal The Man, Scissor Sisters, Paul Simon, Bruce Springsteen, Sting, U2, and one Direction, all pledged their support. <laughs> I just thought it was like such a like a weird list because I can I I understand completely people like Bjork and Bob Geldof and like Sir Paul Yoko, and yeah. like Yoko Ono like that all makes like you two that all makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. And then One Direction's a little bit random because I'm Especially also like 2012 One Direction. I was just about to say one that was like their biggest teeny bobber phase, and two I'm like how old were they at the time? Like were they old enough to be like legally pledging? like support you know what I mean like they were like pussy riot yeah right like I just felt like that was their that was their peak of like of like teenage girl like posters on the bedroom thing right oh yeah like okay so I'm trying to like even think how old they are I think like Harry's like 24 now and that was like six years ago so he was like 18 at the time right like he stood up for what he believed in what a babe this is typical you know it doesn't surprise me of harry this is typical (laughs) harry behavior he's incredible i love him so much Mm -hmm. um but the current the current situation sorry to just go on a wow one direction we're like eerily woke for 2020 (laughs) (laughs) which they were and i don't know why we didn't hear more of it like we probably should have had like 14 year old girls like protesting more like considering Oh, bizarre. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so like this situation, um, the one that is relevant, 2018, um, a pitch invasion at the mm-hmm. World Cup final. So that's, you know, it's pretty crazy to have a pitch invasion anytime, anywhere, but like Pussy Riot, World Cup, Russia, crazy. Right. Uh, so the people who did that, they barged on the field um, and they were sentenced to 15 days in jail so they were dressed as police officers um and came on during the second half of the game between france and russia oh sorry oh god france and croatia sorry croatia um and yeah like i remember reading a thing that one of them was saying that um like they found it really easy because like russian people have like a like a 
they they really like respect authority so like once they were dressed as like police people there wasn't really much like um questioning of like why they were getting so close to the like the pitch mm-hmm. um but they called for the release of political prisoners, the end of illegal detention at political rallies uh, to stop the policing of people's political views on social media and for more open political competition. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty crazy for the players even. Like one of the women um, high-fived uh, one of the French players. So that was probably a little bit. I don't know what repercussions he had for that, but what the Croatia defender, I'm sorry, I'm not saying any of these people's names, not because I don't care about football and I'm not respecting them, but I'm going to absolutely butcher it. Um, it's out of respect to not. Yes. Yes. So um, he, yeah, he actually grabbed um, one of the protesters like in anger. Cause I think he was like, sorry, this is my game. Um, but yeah, that was, that was pretty, yeah, that, that was a pretty crazy thing that happened. So yeah, yeah the world cup definitely had um, a big, pop culture um effect i guess you know from things like celebrities all getting involved on social media to a big music scene and then this whole pussy riot thing so definitely yeah we're gonna have to wait till 2022 to see what happens next time see if the podcast is still around my love island obsession like doing the voice and everything that's how i do what i am um we what have you got planned for the next the next month micah i'm soaking in those last like months and a bit of summer and i'm very excited about it you don't start back till september right i don't start back until september 4th or something like that so great yeah awesome yeah no i will be the opposite i am starting back next tuesday i am starting my new many jobs as well it's going to be just kind of settling into like a routine of life which i'm quite excited about actually because it's been all very Mm -hmm. hectic the past year or so so Mm -hmm. that's that's where i'll be if you do want to keep up with my adventures um i am on instagram and twitter as at yasmin lomax what about you micah i'm on instagram and not really but yes really twitter um at at miss clearwater and then if you want to follow the pod, um, which we're really going to be ramping up the social media side, so get excited about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are on Instagram and Twitter as at DTCBS podcast. That is at DTCBS podcast. So yes, remember to tune in next month and we will be chatting with you all or to you all. We will be infiltrating your earbuds in yep. a month's time. Bye. Bye. Sick.